Welcome back to our Total Sense Bite Size episodes. I'm Tom Henske, and I'm here to help parents teach their kids about money. Welcome back. I have with me today, educator Sarah White from Staples High School. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. So your background, I have to tell everyone, you went to the University of Virginia. Of course, you knew I was going to get that on. Wahoo! And I think it was 2010 that you started the personal finance class at Staples. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I think you're teaching two or three sections a semester, right? That's how it is. Yep. Exactly. So how did this start? So I guess my original interest in personal finance came from college days. And I remember going out to dinner and there would be a group of, I don't know, 10 of us out to eat. And everybody would look at me and say, Sarah, you're the math major. Figure out how much our tip is. And I'm thinking, God, this is a whole bunch of kids who've all taken calculus and they're looking at me to figure out their tip. And I know some of it was just facetious, but I think a lot of times... um, we, it, it kind of hit me at that moment that we spend a lot of time in education worrying about teaching kids like calculus kind of driven math when we don't spend enough time talking about personal finance. And I thought we really need an opportunity for kids to learn personal finance topics and not just not just like the lower level kids, but every level kid should really make sure that they learn that stuff. And so then um, at the end of my college career, I had to do a master's thesis and I decided to write it on what was called consumer mathematics. Back in the 90s, when you and I were in college, not to out you, your age as well, um, the class for kids who couldn't do sort of the regular track of math was to do consumer mathematics. So it was geared towards the lower level kids. And I said, that's great that we're teaching them how to do it, but really everybody needs it. Because I think um, what I saw over and over again in college was my friends who generally were smart people who didn't know math that I thought that everybody should know. So that's kind of where it started. The idea started. Um, Fast forward. So that was the late 90s. Then fast forward to 2010. And another educator at I, um, Lenny Klein at Staples, both had the idea of teaching this class. And we went to the board, got it approved, and the rest is history. So here we are. And how hard was that to get approved? Um, it really wasn't that big a deal. Um, to be fair, Lenny did more of the approval process. There's a whole thing you have to go through with um, a whole bunch of different paperwork and that sort of thing. But I think um, anytime you talk to people about not just this class, but this topic, I don't, I've never met a person who doesn't agree that it's a great idea to be taught. So I think everybody was enthusiastic about it. And we've done, we actually presented to the board last year about it again and just gave sort of a follow-up to where we've been. And um, they were still super enthusiastic about it. So yeah, people love it. Great. So I have conversations with people all the time of where does the responsibility reside in teaching kids? So clearly <laughs> you feel that it's important to be a part of school to have a personal finance for part of the curriculum. Tell me about your thoughts on that. Um, I think, you know, I think you can make that argument on so many topics about personal things. Like, do you teach sex ed in school or do you leave it to the family to take care of? Some families would say, well, that's a family thing. That's, you know, that's a personal thing. That shouldn't be taught at schools. Not as much around here, but I think you probably had friends in Virginia like I did where it was abstinence only kind of thing. And I liken our class to that. Like it's, it's a critical skill for life. And I think that we need to give basics. And I think it's really a, it's really combined effort for, I give a lot of general information about things. And then I talk to parents about how I want them to be partners in this conversation and for them really to talk to their kids about what's going on as well. Um, One of the first things I do in my class is I start, the very first homework assignment the kids have is they have to go home and they have to ask their parents two questions. Number one, um, where did you learn personal finance? And then number two, what do you wish you'd known about personal finance before you 
before you went into the real world, before you went to college. Um, and I always find those answers so enlightening. And I tell my kids and I tell the parents on back to school night, I want this class to be conversations. I think it's great for you to have conversations with your kids about this. I might teach them what a mortgage is and I might teach them some of the math behind it, but how much is your mortgage and how, how does your mortgage work? And have you ever refinanced and has there ever been a risk of foreclosure? And what, you know, what kinds of things, oh, there's so much else that goes into it. We just really give them the basics in our class. So do you ever get pushback on that from the parents? About the questions I ask? Uh, yeah. Once ever. No, just only once one parent got a little miffed and said, I can't believe you're asking. And I'm like, it really wasn't a personal question. I didn't say, tell me your greatest financial failure, you know? Um, most of them just say, I wish I'd known more about investing. I wish I knew this, that. Most are really happy and will write little notes. And I'll get little notes on there saying, I'm so glad they're taking this. And back to school night um, is actually one of my most favorite nights all year. It's so fun to go to back to school night and talk about this class because it's just... Everyone loves it. Everyone loves hearing about it. Um, I think it's it, it's just, it's enlightening. I come home and I'm like so exhilarated because it's just, I love teaching it. I know the parents love that we're doing it. They love that the kids are hopefully going to become self-sufficient because of this. Um, so no, I wouldn't say I get pushback because I never ask personal, I never say, how you know, Tell your, tell your kid how much you make. That's personal. You can decide whether you want to share that or not. But I do say have conversations with them, you know, and yeah. So do you feel like the parents are so receptive to it because in the back of their mind, they're saying, I needed this? There's definitely some. Yeah, I've definitely had parents come up to me and say, I wish I could take this class or I wish I could have taken this class. Um, and I have colleagues in my building and people in the real world who say to me, I wish I could take that class. And I say, well, you know, the class is geared to 17 and 18 year olds, really. It's, it's kids who are on the cusp of the next phase of their life. I hate to say the real world because college isn't exactly the real world yet, but it's kind of a mixture of your college life slash your 23 plus life, right? The just after college life. Um, but yeah, no, I parent, people definitely wish they could take it. Um, I, I never really took a class in this. I'm not really sure how I figured it out. I just like this stuff. And so I think I'm sort of self-taught in terms of what I know. Um, and I can't get enough learning out of it too. So do you wind up being the de facto go-to for other teachers when they have a financial question? Do, you, do they venture by your, your room and say, oh, I'm so glad I saw you. I just yeah. have this quick question. I would say that's probably Lenny Klein gets more of that than I do. But um, I think that there's definitely some of it. There's definitely discussions about it. But again, I think that the knowledge that we, we don't give high-level investing advice. It's, we learned a long time ago that the kids know very little. They, they have a card in their wallet. They use it to make purchases. They don't know if it's credit or debit. They don't know the difference between them. They don't understand how it works. So it's really basic. Like if you ask a 30-year-old, if you tell a 30-year-old what I go over in that class, they'd say, oh, well, I figured that all out eventually. Um, but the 17 and 18-year-olds really just don't know a whole lot. So I think most adults um, don't really need the class because they're beyond that because they've, they've had to figure it out because it's sink or swim in life, right? You've got to figure it out at some point. Okay. And so when I'm out there speaking, I get this one every once in a while, which is, shouldn't the schools take care of that? You know, why isn't it mandatory to take in school? And the reality is, I think that there are only 10 states that make it mandatory to have a standalone personal finance class as a graduation requirement. Help me understand, why is that? Why is it so few states have yeah, it? Why? I, why isn't it not every state? Well, it's funny because I did, we we talked about it. We have talked about it in Westport um, a couple different times. And I've only ever taught in Westport. And I grew up in suburban Chicago in a kind of similar district. 
Um, and I think Illinois, it's either one of the states that does have the requirement, or at least it has a class that has to have a piece of it. Um, so I got a little bit of this growing up, I guess, but not, not quite as much as what I do with my students. I think the pushback that I got when I asked about it, and this was a couple principles ago, was, you know, people think we, sh we should have an ethics class. We should have this. We should have that. And I think that school districts are very hesitant to mandate anything because then um, it takes away freedom. And I think we have to balance kids having freedom to choose what they want versus what they have to take. Um, have Despite it not being mandatory, we do, we're lucky. We have about two thirds of our kids that go through the class as an elective, a one semester elective, which is great. Um, do I wish it were mandatory? Yeah, I think it would be great if every kid had to take it. I think it's knowledge that everybody should get. And as far as kids learning it at home, again, I think that I think it's good to learn it in more than one place. There's nothing to, nothing wrong with that. We again, we can give certain basics at school and then but I always say the money about the values about money are learned in the home or at least start in the home. And so I can tell you what a mortgage is all about, but how people feel about renting versus buying and things like that, those are conversations that happen at home. Um, so I like to be sort of the lead-in for that. And as I tell the parents and the kids, it's a safe topic. You know, It's not like, where are you on Saturday night? Have you done your college applications? And it's like, hey, let's talk about allowance and let's talk about what's going to happen when you go to college with the money and this and that. So it's, it's, a, it's a safer topic and it's not, it's not as contentious between the two anyway, two parties. Oh, okay, so I'm going to ask you to look into the future right okay. now. Do you think that we ever get to a place where it is a mandatory class, not just here in Westport, but nationwide? I think that there is a definite push for that. Um, one of my favorite personal finance resources is NGPF, which is Next Generation Personal Finance. And they are on a mission to really get it into every state and make it mandatory. Um, Having said that, education is bureaucracy, it's governmental, it's every school board has the right to do their own thing, every state has the right to do their own thing, the country doesn't really have mandates, so you have to go through 50 states to make it happen, so that's hard. And we just went through and changed our requirements in Connecticut a few years ago, so I don't see it changing anytime in the near future, although I think it would be great if it did. Um, I do, I think everybody should take this kind of class. Okay, so your class, is it mostly taken by seniors, juniors? What's the age demographic that's mostly coming through your class? It's probably 90 plus percent of seniors. Um, I have a couple of juniors in every class and I always just tell them, just ignore me when I talk about next year when you're out of here because just tre I treat this like a senior class because that's, it's, it's, a great, it's great to have kids that are older because they have some life experience under their belt. They've been driving, they know how much gas costs, um, they're thinking very seriously about college and plans for the next year and jobs and that sort of thing. So um, I think you can teach it at different ages and I think you can teach different content at different ages, but the class we have is very well suited to the on the cusp of the next phase of your life seniors. So let's talk about that content. What are you covering over the course of a semester? So we have six major topics that we study. Um, we start by talking about budgeting. The very first day I have kids um, make a list. Sorry, I chuckle because it's, it's, it's always interesting to see their first day experience. They start um, by making a list of everything they have to pay for. I said, okay, you're 23, out of college. Your parents have cut you off. You have a furnished apartment. What do you have to pay for? And they have to make a list of all the different things they have to pay for. And they're, 
they have a really hard time. Well, they, they can sort of come up with a list of things to pay for. But then I put them in groups and I say, okay, how much does this stuff cost? And they're clueless. They just have no idea how much electricity costs. They have no idea how much... Um, they know how much clothes cost, they know how much haircuts cost, you know, things they've dealt with, but there's so many different expenses they've never been thought about. And I think that's the day they realize like, wow, there's a lot I have to learn, which is good. We, we like to sort of start them out that way. So we start by talking about budgeting. Um, within that, I talk about paying for college, which I used to talk about in um, my loans unit, which comes later. I moved it to the first unit because they need to hear about it as early as possible since they're seniors. And it really helps them, I think, in their decision making to understand all that. So we talk about budgeting, um, then we get into talking about taxes and how you don't get to keep every penny that you've had, which again, having seniors is great because those kids, a lot of them have had jobs and they've, they've gone through the, oh my God, how come I didn't get the $16 an hour I was promised? Like what happened to that? So they've already sort of had that epiphany of, oops, I don't get it all and why not and where does it go? So after the tax unit, um, we talk about you've got your money, where are you going to put it? And then we talk, talk about banking. We talk about electronic banking. Um, we talk about mobile banking, big banks, small banks. And then the second half of the class basically tell them that things have changed. And now words like balance are bad things, not good things. Um, and interest is a bad word instead of a good word like it was during the third unit. Um, so we talk about borrowing money. We talk about borrowing money to buy cars, to buy houses, um, just loans in general. And then we do another unit on credit cards, which technically could go into borrowing money, but I put it its own thing because I think we all know our generation got into lots of trouble with credit cards and we're trying to prevent another generation from getting messed up with those. Um, and then we end with talking about investing in insurance and whatever time we have left, we kind of touch on that. And then we have a second course that I don't teach, but another teacher teaches um, that's more heavily into the investing piece of it and insurance. Well, it's interesting. You went the full gamut there. Mm -hmm. And there's one school educator that I interviewed and talked to about what they offer, and they go right to the investing. Mm -hmm. Yet, it's interesting to hear you, you almost put investing as an oh, by the way, mm -hmm. at the very end, as opposed to the forefront. It's, I mean, you need, yes, investing is a piece of it, but there's so much more. You need to have money to invest, right? I mean, you can't do your investing. I, I don't really buy into the let's play the stock market game for 12 weeks and call it a class. Like that's, to me, there's, there's so many flaws with that. Um, but I just, I think they need to learn so much more. And like I said, if they knew all that other stuff and we could go straight to investing, that would be one thing. But I've learned over and over again that they really, there's a lot to learn way prior to that. Okay. They graduate, they go to college. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, they come back and mm -hmm. visit you. Mm -hmm. What are you hearing on those visits? I hear like they just... They just feel empowered, I think is the best word. And that's my number one goal for them is to have them empowered to make good decisions, to ask good questions. You don't need to know everything, but you need to know enough that you can ask questions, that you can look for information. Um, I think one of my favorite stories was a kid that came up to me who was, he was a senior and he just came up to me I don't know, mid, midway through the quarter and he said, oh, hey, I opened a bank account this weekend. So that's great. You and your mom went and opened a, a bank account? He said, no, I just went by myself and I did it. I'm 18, so I can. I said, oh, that's great. I said, well, how did it go? And he said, well, you know, the banker at first was kind of, you know, whatever with me. He said, and then I asked him about overdraft fees. Then he stopped and he looked at me and he said, well, how do you know about overdraft fees? He said, and after that, he treated me totally differently. He said, I was an adult and that was it. And that gave me so much satisfaction. I'm like, that was such a great story to hear. Um, I had a parent contact me on Facebook 
last Christmas Eve of all times to say that she and her family were sitting around the Christmas tree talking about different things they'd learned growing up. And this one girl said, we'll never forget what Miss White said, pay it off in full, off in full, in full every time. Because I apparently harp on that a lot during the credit card unit. And um, I'm like, that's great that this was enough that it really hit you and you thought about it over and over again. So I think that's it. I think they just, they feel like they have knowledge that they didn't have before. And I think one of the things, going back to the questions that I asked the parents in the beginning, um, what do you wish you had known? What I love is looking at the list at the end of the semester and saying like, my kids know this stuff. That's what's so cool. So the whole idea is that I want you to teach, to learn things now so that you don't make mistakes, right? We want to minimize your mistakes because that's how so many people learn about personal finances, that they make mistakes and then now they learn for the next time, but you don't have to learn for the next time. You want to learn for the first time. It's, right. it's a lot more fun learning by not making mistakes it, for than sure. making mistakes. Yes, so we have three teachers mm -hmm. who teach personal finance at the school. Right. But tell me, what do you do to stay sharp? Mm. Um, I think that this class of all the classes I teach, I have to do a lot of work in terms of, I can't just use one semester to the next, the same things at all, because life changes. And I think, um, I spoke about COVID briefly before, but COVID in particular has changed so many things um, in terms of what's going on with the world. I try to listen to financial podcasts. Um, I try to, not really a big paper, I don't read the paper a whole lot. I think some of my other colleagues do that. Um, we have, I talked about NGPF before, they have great resources available that are updated, that are current, that are great, um, really great to look at. And they offer courses and they offer courses um, in the winter. And I did this last year, I took a course, I don't know, for six weeks and they offer this like test at the end to test yourself. And, you know, some of the stuff I know and some of the stuff is new stuff and it's great. And they have a class on the crypto that I'm going to take that's coming up, which is something that I knew nothing about four years ago. I don't think most people knew anything about four years ago. You know, that's kind of, I'm learning along the way, but I, I like to put myself in a position where I can take a class and learn more about it because I think um, it keeps me sharp. It keeps it exciting for me too. Um, I think you can be a teacher and use the same thing from year to year, but that doesn't, that doesn't do it justice. You know, when, when Trump um, changed the whole tax plan, there were a lot of changes that happened with taxes. And so, in some ways it simplified the process, in some ways it made it more complicated. So we had a whole, when it was that semester when that was happening, I did a lot with really trying to keep up with um, with teaching the kids about how it was different. And, and I try to, you know, we do get into political topics to some extent. It's hard not to because so much of it is based on governmental things, but I try to really stay balanced and say, well, this side wants this thing and this side wants this and there are reasons for both. And we need to understand both of those things when we're looking at it. But yeah, I think taking classes and talking to other people about what we're doing. And I mean, my colleagues and I talk all the time, like, hey, did you see this? Did you notice this in the paper or wherever they saw it? Or I heard this podcast about this. Let's try that. And one thing I do is I put it on the kids. Um, I have them do a a project every every unit um, three or four kids have to do a presentation on one of the topics we're doing so we call it in the news and they have to find an article that's like within the last year and they have to present about whatever it is that's in the news that connects to car loans or that connects to taxes or whatever um, and it's great I mean I learned from that too and so you know, I think especially like in the throes of COVID, there were so many interesting articles that came out about how COVID was impacting X, Y, and Z, all these different things. Every single topic I talked about, um, we had impact from that. So yeah, so they, they helped me stay up also. Okay, so the parents around the country who listen mm -hmm. to this, they've already bought into, if it's an elective, mm -hmm. it's really not an elective in our family. It's you're going to take that yes. class, right? Mm -hmm. So 
how can parents help supplement the work that you're doing? Well, I think that, and I'm a parent of a high schooler and a middle schooler, and I think a lot of times at home, it's like, how was your day? Fine. What'd you learn? Stuff, you know. I think um, by keeping up with what they're doing and saying, hey, I, I know you're in the taxes unit right now. Like, tell me some of the stuff you're learning about. And again, I think it's a safer topic than... Um, you know, what were you doing at that party on Saturday night? So it's it's by by keeping up with what their kids are learning in the classes, I think they can sort of refer to those topics and say, what are you learning about? And do you have questions for us about it? Um, and I think for kids, when kids aren't in a class or in, maybe aren't taking a class at all, I think bringing up topics just everywhere. It's like there's teachable moments all the time with money, right? Um, I think, and I think it starts young. This isn't just about high school. I think I remember when my kids were young and I say, well, we can't afford something or I'm not going to buy that. And my daughter said, well, are we poor? I said, no, we're not poor just because we can't buy something or I'm choosing not to buy it. It doesn't make us poor. There's there's like rich and poor and a lot of in the middle, right? Um, and I think, I think just having conversations about everything. I think when you go shopping and, well, okay, we could go shopping today and you can buy $200 worth of stuff. Or we can go shopping on Black Friday when there are lots of sales, and that $200 is going to go a lot further. Um, I think giving kids budgets, I, I'm a big, big believer in giving kids budgets. I give kids budgets for, well, my, my son doesn't really care what he wears, so he's easy. But for my for my 15-year-old daughter, it's a little different. So she has a budget for clothing. We have a fall budget. We have a spring budget. And I said, anything you want to buy beyond that is on you. So here's how much money you have. You decide. I'll take you to outlet stores. We can shop online. We can shop in person. We can do whatever you want. But this is how much you're getting from me. Um, and I think she actually really enjoys it. I think she likes the challenge of having to like stick with that. So trying to like ingrain those things in them at a young age, like money doesn't grow on trees. And money is about choices. That's another big lesson that I teach them, uh, my kids early on. We talk about the latte factor, which is for those of you who don't know, is basically like the whole idea of like, if you spend $5 on a latte every day, um, that $5 may not seem like a big deal, but $5 times five days a week times 52 weeks a year adds up to a lot of money. And and I always say, well, should, should this person be spending all that money? They all say, no, no. I say, I don't know. It's up to them. It's their right to decide what they want to spend their money on. It's about choices. It really is. So I think helping them learn at a young age that it's about choices and you have to make decisions. And, um, and I know that you know, you get to a point where my daughter now, like she refs soccer games and she gets $40 for roughing a game. And so she'll say, well, I don't know if I really want to spend that money, but I guess, you know, for two games, it's worth it. For two games, it's worth the $80 to spend on the pair of shoes or the whatever, you know? So she's starting to look at it that way. And I think it's just money is all around us. I think talking to them about grocery bills being more expensive right now because of inflation, um, I think that's a reality. Talking about um, electricity going up right now, I think talking about with a 15-year-old and almost 16-year-old about, are you going to get a car? Are you not going to get a car? Like how much cars cost right now? How much car insurance costs right now? I think just having those conversations, I think money is all around us. It, For good or for bad, it's what makes the world go around. And I think that um, just having the conversations with your kids about everything um, and as much as you're willing to share. Like I'm we're extremely open. I grew up in a house where I had no idea how much my parents earned. They were, it was none of my business. I was told that. And that's fine. That's that, that was their value system. I'm pretty sure we snuck and look and figured it out when, <laughs> at one point. My brother and I found the tax returns and figured it out. You snooper. Uh, yeah, we did. We did. Never do that again now. Um, but, but your kids don't do that. No, well, no, I tell them. They know how much we are. They know how much I earn. They know how much I earn for tutoring. They know how much 
my husband earns when he's a chef and when he does parties, like they know, like we're just very open about it. And I don't know if that's the perfect way, but it's just, I'm going the opposite of what my parents did for that piece of it. Having said that, I remember sitting next to my mom, filling out checks and, you know, watching her pay bills. It wasn't like money was a secret in our house. Um, but I think you have to be, you know, you have to think about what you're comfortable sharing. And I think that there's certain information they have access to. They know how much your house is worth. They can look it up on Zillow and they probably have, and they probably know how much the neighbors are house worth too. You know, I mean, there's, there's information that's out there. Um, and so then you just have to decide how much you're willing to share of all the different pieces. But I think you can, and you and I've had this conversation before. There are ways to share about your financial situation without saying, this is how much I earn, right? So things like, hey, you know, when we pay the electricity, it costs this amount. When we pay for food, it costs this amount. Just making them aware because they really have no idea. And it doesn't matter where they grow up. It's just, it's kids being oblivious kids. It's not, it's not being in an affluent suburb or being in a not affluent situation. They just, they just don't know. Okay. Life is a choice. That's what it you is. said. It's everything's a choice. And I think it's just making everything conscious mm -hmm. and making them curious, is, which is yes. exactly what you're doing and you're finding mm -hmm. with your class. So Sarah White, okay. thank you for joining us. Staples High School is rocking it out on the personal <laughs> finance uh, class. And we're hoping that one day it will become mandatory everywhere. I know we're far away from that, but one day it's nice to dream. Sarah, mm -hmm. thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed our episode of Total Sense. A special thank you goes out to Verso Studios at the Westport Library. Tune in for our next Money Chat.